Welcome to the Crexie Podcast, an insider's look at all things commercial real estate. I'm Jessica LaRusso, director at Crexie and today's host. Each episode, the Crexie team dives into a broad range of topics with featured experts to investigate trends, educate listeners, and understand the latest industry news. As the nation's fastest growing online CRE platform, we're excited to provide a window into the inner workings of commercial real estate for this generation and the next. Welcome and thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Crexy Podcast, an insider's look at all things commercial real estate. In this show, we cover a broad range of topics that both cater to CRE newcomers and industry leaders alike. I'm your host, Jessica LaRusso, Director of Sales, and today we are thrilled to sit down with Craig Hall, founder and chairman of Hall Group based in Dallas, Texas. Before we dive in, a little bit about our guest. Craig Hall is an entrepreneur, New York Times bestselling author, vintner, and philanthropist. He formed Hall Group in 1968 at age 18 with $4,000 saved from small ventures that began at age 10. Today, Hall Group's diversified business interests include active commercial real estate ownership operations, development and management, structured financial lending, winemaking, and early stage investments in promising startups. Hall is the author of seven published books, including his most recent, Boom, Bridging the Opportunity Gap to Reignite Startups, which was published in May 2019. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jessica. Great to be with you. Great to meet you. So I know we just read through your bio, but we'd certainly all love to learn more about your career path and lessons that you learned along along the way. So let's bring it way back to starting in your early years. How and when did you know you were meant to be an entrepreneur? Well, actually, I had uh, no idea when I first started that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I don't I don't even know if I could have uh, possibly sp- spelled the word. In fact, I'm sure I could. <laughs> uh, and I... Uh, I really didn't like business. And I grew up in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, which was a pretty uh, liberal, non-business mm-hmm. sort of place. And uh, there was a huge amount of publicity about tenants and landlords fighting University of Michigan students, uh, going on rent strikes and things. And I thought maybe I could show everybody that you could be a nice guy landlord. It was a very silly idea. <laughs> and uh, I actually was mayor for the day for one day when I was a senior in high school. Oh, I wow. Realized, yeah, I really, I got elected and everything. And I realized I didn't solve the problems of housing. So I thought I'd do it uh, when I started uh, college. So I, I was uh, in my senior year, I started looking for a rooming house to buy uh, just to prove a point. And uh, that's how I got started. Wow. And that was senior year of high school, you were saying? When I was senior in high school, I actually bought it wow. uh, when I started as a freshman in college. And uh, uh, over uh, my first building, I bought with the $4,000 that I had saved. And then I, I uh, despite the fact that everything went wrong, I did everything you could imagine, but it was fun. And so I decided to buy a second building, but I had no money. So I went around to fellow students and I said, if you give me $200, I'll make you a partner. And I... Um, I found enough uh, people who were uh, silly enough to believe in me, and uh, I raised uh, $3,500 and uh, bought a second building. As that was the down payment. Uh, and That's I incredible. My second building. Yeah. 
Wow. So you certainly started early. Was there any aspect of your upbringing that kind of positioned you for success or for this entrepreneurial spirit? Uh, none whatsoever. I, I uh, <laughs> my uh, uh, parents were horrified. They they uh, wondered what what went wrong. Uh, my uh, uh, mother was a an art teacher, and uh, my father was kind of a man middle manager sort of person, uh, uh, but very conservative. And um, I don't, uh, uh, I don't know what uh, motivated me, except that I always, um, I had a lot of, I, I had epilepsy as a child and I was a terrible student and uh, I had a lot of things that uh, I couldn't do. So I figured I may as well end up in real estate because it's easy, right? <laughs> Commercial real estate should be for everybody that can't do anything else. Just a theory. Wow. <laughs> well, theory, theory certainly worked for you, Craig. I mean, at that That's point it. in time, did you have a mentor or did that come a little bit later down the road? And how did that kind of shape you when you were early on in your career? Um, I don't, I, I've had uh, people that I've uh, found interesting and looked up to. Mm -hmm. um, uh, tell you a funny story about one of them in a minute, but uh, if you want. But uh, I, I, um, uh, things just sort of organically happened o over my first uh, uh, 17, 18 years. I, I raised about a billion dollars in um, limited partnership uh, equity and, and bought $4 billion of uh, apartments. We owned uh, 72,000 apartments uh, in the early 1980s. Uh, wow. But I will tell you, you want to hear a funny story about a mentor. Yes, so, absolutely. So this is a name from the past, uh, but um, uh, William Zeckendorf was um, a guy that uh, built the um, uh, where the United Nations is now, and he mm -hmm. built uh, a lot of very famous developments. And he went broke, uh, went bankrupt, and then he came back and he he, uh, he wrote a book. And so I read the book, and uh, one day I was uh, so excited because. Uh, I was in business then. Uh, I had moved my company from Ann Arbor, Michigan to Southfield, Michigan. And down the street uh, at a hotel, they were he was giving a speech. Uh, and I think because of his book or something. And for me to spend $20 to go to a luncheon speech was a lot of money. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I it was only because he was a hero to me. So I, I went and um, all he talked about was what was important was art. And I thought, I've gotten ripped off on my $20. And, you know, this guy's, uh, he was uh, 65 or something at the time and had kind of made a bit of a comeback. And I just wanted a few ideas that I could turn into money that afternoon. You know, I just wanted, mm -hmm. all I wanted is, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, knowledge, you know, give me a, a tip. And um, years later, I realized partly because my mother was an art teacher in other words, I use art in all of our commercial projects, and I'm a big art collector. And I, I, I remember he was right. You know, life isn't about just making money. It's about having a soul, and it's about enjoying each day. And it's about, uh, you know, commercial real estate's great, but it's about integrating that with uh, other things. So that was that was sort of a mentor. When did that click for you? Did, when did you remember that he brought that up? I mean, later down, you're an art collector. It's yeah. in all of your building. Was there kind of that aha moment at, at some point? 
That's there, a really there fascinating story. Yeah, there there was. I, I don't remember exactly when, but but it it wasn't like it might have been decades later. I thought, <laughs> wow, I remember this. Uh, I think it was 1971 when this occurred, and it's a long time ago. And um, and years later, I, I thought, wow, I, that that brought it full, you know, full circle. I love that story. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing that with with sure. our listeners. Uh, so you mentioned something a little bit earlier, right? Your first building, your first few buildings, you said everything went wrong, right? <laughs> so everything. what were some of those actual examples or like favorite mistakes that you had that really became invaluable for you moving forward? Uh, maybe you didn't recognize it was an opportunity at the time, but. Well, I, you know, I, uh, I, I made so many mistakes, but I, I remember uh, I didn't uh, do as much due diligence as I should have. And the uh, seller told me that um, uh, that there was no lease on the, um, the, the it was a rooming house and the, the top uh, uh, two floors were eight rooms uh, mm-hmm. and the bottom floor and basement was a large apartment. And he said that, uh, that none of the um, units had a lease. Well, it turned out that the um, people on the first floor and basement claimed they had a verbal lease for a certain period of time anyway, then they had evidence for it. And, um, uh, I, you know, that cost me a lot of money in those days, the difference between $70 a month they were paying and $450 a month that it was mm-hmm. worth. I remember the numbers. And uh, so that was just one of many mistakes. Um, uh, but, uh, it, you know, buying a rooming house that has uh, international students who cook exotic foods in the one kitchen and there's a one common bathroom and one common kitchen. And my job was to clean it every day. It was, you know, wow. It, it, yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it was an experience. But anyway. that, That's great. So, okay. For somebody that's listening to us, right. They have not invested in commercial property. They're looking to make their first purchase just like you were many years ago. Is there maybe like one or two pitfalls you would recommend to avoid or things that they can do to arm themselves from kind of limiting their, their exposure? Well, I think, um, uh, l- let me put it in a more positive way. I-, I think there are things that you can do that uh, can make money and, and they tend to be uh, buying uh, a property that you can fix up and change and something you can improve the uh, ability to charge more rent because you uh, make a, a difference. Sometimes, uh, you know, historically throughout my career, I think uh, there are lots of opportunities for, for properties like that. And, and so on a positive side, I'd say that on the, uh, on the negative side, you know, do your homework, be careful, and uh, that'll help you avoid some of those pitfalls. Thank you. Appreciate that. So let's kind of move into the modern day now, right? Sure. I, I'd really love to dive more into your commercial real estate philosophies and really how you built Hall Group. So can you explain some of those tried and true investment or development strategies that have really guided your moves at the Hall Group? Yeah, we, we um, uh, I have to maybe do a little history for for that. Um, we, we were, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a large, uh, relatively at the time, we were one of the two largest in, in, in the world, actually, owning, owners of apartments. And we went through the 1980s, which is a subject that uh, 
could take hours to talk about, but I'm happy to mm -hmm. talk about if you want any of it. But but in the 1980s were uh, a depression for commercial real estate, not nothing like today today's downturn. Also happy to talk about that. Um, this is uh, mild compared to the, the uh, 80s. The 2008-9 uh, financial crisis is mild compared to the 80s for commercial real estate. So we went through a horrible downturn. And because I uh, did what most real estate people do and I had other people's money, mm -hmm. um, I did, I worked my, uh, I worked as hard as possible to protect people. And people were really good to me in the sense of, I have, uh, I got so many nice letters from my investors, but at the same time, I still lost money for people and I mm -hmm. totally lost all my money. I went completely broke. And when I kind of got out of that whole time, I no longer wanted to raise other people's money. And so I had what I had left when I say I was completely broke. That uh, is sort of true and sort of not true. I had, um, mm -hmm. uh, I still had enough assets that I made a small comeback. And so from the early 1990s until recently, we basically have used our own money. And so we were smaller. We have not tiny, but we have a few billion dollars of assets, but we did it one by one and by building up and by doing initially what we did was uh, bought things nobody else would buy and uh, fixed them up, office buildings and other things. Mm -hmm. And then we started developing and building and uh, we have uh, things that we've been you know, large projects. We, we're working on a project that's uh, going to be 10 million square feet when it's done in Frisco, Texas. Um, and then we also have a large, uh, or large. We have a, a lending business. Um, we hope to do seven, eight hundred million dollars of loans this year. We have a lot of demand right now because most lenders are closing down uh, and they're they're scared. And uh, mm -hmm. I think it's actually, I think it's a good time to build right now. And I, I think that interest rates are going to come back down, not maybe to zero, but um, so we are making loans and we are uh, helping uh, entrepreneurs build. That's incredible. So really have kind of shifted so many different businesses and companies that you have now, but it sounds like more recently the development and the lending side has been the majority of your focus. Yeah, we started the lending business in 1995, but I'd say over the last five years, we've really increased the lending business and the development business. Um, similarly, I kind of started maybe in the mid 1990s, uh, but uh and, and of course, we are also in the wine business. Um, we have a number of vineyards and wineries. Uh, but um, so we we we're very focused, uh, and I and I don't want to not be focused. I want to stick to our knitting, not worried about being the biggest, just worrying about uh, making money and um, making a difference. Not mm -hmm. not necessarily in that order. Uh, making a difference first, but when I say making money it goes to talking about times like now, it's not so much long run make money. It's about, if you don't watch the cash and the cash flow, you can really uh, be out of business quickly. In times like today, it's all about staying liquid enough and making sure you are on top of where you're going cash flow wise and making sure that you uh, plan for difficult times. So we do that. That. That's really great top kind of bringing up what, yeah. what's going on in the world right now, right? A lot of people are um, 
hesitant of what's happening with the markets, right? How would you advise, say, you know, um, someone earlier stage or mid stage in their business to um, do kind of what you said, right? Make sure that they are kind of racing for a downturn if necessary, and they're staying cash flow positive. There are some things that have really helped you throughout the years. I think that the most important thing that that uh, we do is we we know what our liquidity is every day. Mm-hmm. Literally, I you know uh, we we have that information. Uh, we know monthly what our cash flow. We have a very very complicated um, number of different entities and lots of uh, uh, ins and outs. So right now we have six hundred and fifty million dollars of construction going on. Uh, we're building a, a large hotel in Palm Springs. Uh, Hyatt Thompson for our own account, all our money. And, uh, you know, we have just, you know, substantial outflows on each of those developments, but we stay on top of it. We know how much it's going to be next month, the month after, and we adjust, uh, uh, you know, all the time so that we're not going to be surprised. We planned Mm -hmm. for interest rates to go up. Uh, Frankly, they've gone up faster than I would have expected. I think I, I think uh, it's dangerous how fast they've gone up. Um, but, uh, but in general, for, for somebody in business today, I would say it's time to be cautious and time to be careful. And there will be lots of opportunities, but they're not good opportunities if you're broke. So you got you to gotta mm-hmm. make sure that you have money to take advantage of and or Thank credibility you. to get money. Yeah. Credibility is yeah. also a big deal. I mean, you, you, you know, um, being able to make sure that you're taking care of your lenders and make sure that you're um, credible as a person and as a company is is everything in a time like now. Thanks, Greg. I, that's amazing. I, I wasn't aware that the the Hyatt Thompson in Palm Springs was here. I just drove by that a couple of weekends oh, ago. It's going to really? be a beautiful property. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Everyone needs last... to go take a look yeah. and check it out when it's open. Yeah. I was there last Friday walking the construction and uh, um, yeah, we're, it's, it's a difficult market to build in because people, the workers don't live in Palm Springs, so they drive from a long way. But uh, I, I, I look every day, I get a report on how many people are working in our Palm Springs uh, hotel. We had 92 people there today and I'm wow. trying to get it over a hundred next week. Uh, so yeah, that's great. You were just there. That's incredible. Yeah, you have um, you know right in the heart of Palm Springs. I can't wait for it to open. I uh, side note, I got married at a Thompson Hotel in Cabo, so I'm oh, a big oh, fan of Thompson that. Hotels. I, I know that. I know that hotel. It's a great hotel, and, yeah. and congratulations. Yeah, we, oh, amazing. We, uh, yeah, so we're going to be two square blocks of downtown Palm Springs. Yeah, incredible. So you mentioned people, right? You you have while you're keeping an eye on all of your liquidity, what's coming in, what's going out every day, uh, obviously people, it's a very important part of, of your companies, right? So what would you say sets the Hall Group apart from a people perspective? You know, uh, I, I have to say, from my perspective, good luck. I have been <laughs> so um, lucky to work with a really nice, fun um group that has shared values. We want to make a difference. We want to help other people. We're not in it for short term anything. We're in it for the long haul and um, for better. And I'm finding out now a little bit for worse. I'll explain myself. But we 
uh, I have so many people who have been here 35, 40, 45 years, uh, which wow. is, yeah, it sounds it's great. Incredible. It great. It's great. Except uh, a guy came in two years ago to me and his, his boss. Uh, and he said, I need to talk to the two of you. Uh, and this was January. And he said, uh, I'm here to give my notice. And I said, Mike, what are you talking about? You came out of Ohio State and a University of Michigan guy took you in and gave you a job. And that was, you know, only 37, <laughs> eight, 38 years ago. And now you're giving me notice. What? So what, where could you possibly go? And he said, well, I'm giving you one year notice and I'm retiring. I mean, he was like, anyway, I, I got him to stay on as vice chairman in, in the lending business. He was the head of our lending company. And now he started a new trend. I've got nine people now who've given between one year and 18 months notice. <laughs> I've so, never heard of that ever. It's, it's, a, it's insane. But now I, they think they're being nice to me, but now I, 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 I you know, wake up in the middle of the night thinking, what am I going to do when so-and-so leaves? What am I, you know, if they just not told me, you know, they could have been decent. Just give me the two weeks like everybody else. And, right. Uh, yeah, I know. It's terrible. Well, that clearly speaks to you that they want to make sure they, that you're covered a year plus in advance. I don't, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm a very lucky person. It's, <laughs> we, have a really, we have a really great group of people here. That's incredible. Well, you have such a wide variety of businesses, right? Commercial real estate, you have wineries, right? How, what are, can you talk to some of our listeners about some of the challenges and benefits of you know, having a united brand across many different types of businesses and industries? How do you tie it all together? Well, the um, we used to actually be more diversified. We were in the software business and I sold uh, our software businesses in 2008 in order to stay in, alive financially. <laughs> um, and uh, we've done a lot of other things. Um, I think being more focused is a better thing. Uh, the wine business uh, really came about because of my wife. Uh, she uh, grew up in uh, the Bay Area, and uh, uh, her father had a vineyard, uh, which is just a small uh, farming uh, vineyard. And then she started making wine before she met me. And uh, truthfully, I thought uh, rosé was made by you put white and red wine together and you like mix them up. But I've learned <laughs> it's different. It's different. Yes. So, so uh, no, I, and then wine became kind of a challenge to me because it does have a lot of real estate aspects. It also has mm -hmm. farm, farming, which is kind of fun, and it has manufacturing, and it has marketing, and it has brand things, which is something that was new. Uh, and so, we're probably in it for the long haul. It's a good, it's a, it's a good fun thing. But it, it, it does actually. We use the wine business in a lot of our. Uh, we give wine away in the happy hours at our uh, office and uh, we, we have fun with it. Uh, That's but, great. Where, where are your vineyards? Uh, well, we're, we're all over Napa Valley, Sonoma, um, into Oregon. Um, but uh, we're, we're uh, Napa, Napa centric. That's our largest area. I love that. Um, one thing you mentioned earlier, and you know, I think this is probably very top of mind. So I just want to make sure we get a little more of your guidance on this. Given your company's legacy and, you know, you mentioned the 80s, right, um, 08, 09, how many market cycles you've had to navigate right now, what are some key things for developers and series stakeholders that you think that they should, you know, maybe keep an eye out for, not be too worried about, um, and remember as, you know, the market is, is shifting 
pretty rapidly today? Well, let me first of all say, um, I think in general, this is not as, nearly as severe as 2000, uh, mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, as the 1980s. Um, but uh, what the good news is we don't have a supply problem. We had a supply problem in the 1980s. We had overbuilt uh, for various reasons. Today, our problem is uh, a huge amount of uh, assets, about one and a half trillion dollars in the next three years uh, of loans will uh, come due. Uh, and these were loans, and many of them that were made when interest rates were near zero. So mm -hmm. they will adjust to rates that they probably, the vast majority of those will not be able to pay. Um, so we're going to have a situation of borrowers and lenders having economics turned upside down be, be, because of the rapid rise in interest rates. In addition, anyone who had floating debt, and we certainly have some, um, will, is, is going to be hurt right now. The first thing to do is be realistic uh, and, and don't put your head in the sand. A lot of people sort of just put their head in the sand, spend whatever cash they have until they don't have money, and then realize, you know, the problem's still there. Mm -hmm. So you have to analyze on a realistic basis how you can handle what you got. And, you know, mm -hmm. every situation is different. Uh, on the broad view, the place that I think is dramatically changed in the longer term, it's kind of like a 10-year train wreck, is older office buildings. Uh, you know, I think they were going to be hurt anyway. Um, so like in 2015, we have a, we had a, what was a, an office park. And in 2015, mm -hmm. I, I realized that offices and office parks were going to become passe and that what I needed to do was convert to a mixed-use development. And so literally we spent two or three years redoing our master plan. We actually tore down two buildings and we're doing all kinds of things. That changes it. A, mm -hmm. a new office building that has great amenities will do well today. Uh, obviously it depends on location, but particularly some old, older urban uh, locations, in big cities, New York, San Francisco, Chicago, mm -hmm. LA, tough, tough place to be in. And so, you know, you have to be careful on, there are some buildings that no matter how low the price is, it is not a bargain. Uh, right. So, you know, you have to be careful when you're looking for opportunities to not just buy by the pound. You have to also really understand the future of the asset. So you see a lot of redevelopment in the future for those types of office parks. Yes and no. I, I think it's kind of like malls. Uh, malls were great until all of a sudden they weren't great. And to redevelop them was very expensive and difficult. Mm -hmm. Office buildings, uh, years ago, uh, my wife and I redeveloped uh, an office building in Dallas called the Kirby Building, right downtown on Main Street. Glad we did it. It was a lot of fun. It was awfully painful. It was awfully complicated and very expensive. And the economics were really tough. That hasn't changed. It's a hard, hard thing. Some buildings will convert to residential Mm -hmm. Many just don't have the right floor plates, don't have the right ceiling heights, don't have the right windows. It's it, it's a great question mark what happens to mm -hmm. so much stock of older office buildings. That kind of takes me right in, into my segues uh, of what, what's next for the Hall Group, right? You have a diverse portfolio, hotels, wineries. We mentioned you're working on, you know, the Thompson and Palm Springs. 
what do you what do you feel is next? Well, we are um, continuing to um, really lean into our, our lending business. I'd like to really grow mm-hmm. that. Uh, uh, it's a uh, we enjoy. We do mostly construction loans, but we're also doing bridge loans right now. Uh, so you know we can't solve anybody's all their problems. But if somebody has some capital and they need a, 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 a an aggressive lender that's willing to go a little a lot more than a bank's would, that's where we come in. Um, but um, so that business we're leaning in on, and then uh, developments of, that are large and have uh, exciting uh, opportunities to really help make a difference in the community. Um, for instance, in Frisco, we're building mm-hmm. at 3 million square feet and ultimately it'll be 10 million square feet. So it's another 15, 20 years of uh, development and uh, we'll see, maybe we'll do two or three more of those. Yeah, I like a 30 year so, business, 30 year business plan. It's good when you're right. <laughs> I love that. I mean, you were one of the first developers to take a chance on Frisco, right? I mean, when you, when you started developing there, it was mostly farmland. What, what made you bullish on Frisco? Um, you know, in, in Frisco is in the north part of uh, Dallas and Dallas is a city that has grown north. When we bought in Frisco to get to our first office building, you had to have a, uh, either a helicopter or a uh, Jeep with uh, really good suspension because the, it was all dirt roads that had big potholes. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> right now there's a tollway that goes right by us. Yeah, yeah, you had to be off-roading. And when we opened it, we were 100% vacant. And uh, it was a hundred thousand square foot small building, and six months later we were hundred percent full. So I don't know. Somehow you build it and they came. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it changed. But uh, yeah, we were the, the first doing that, Frisco. That that's incredible. Well, kind of on that topic, can you tell everyone a little bit about Hall Park? Um, you know, this is your thriving hundred sixty plus acre yeah. campus. We'd love to hear a little bit more about it and what's in store. Well, we we started out with. Um, uh, you know, building one office building, then we built 17 office buildings. Uh, we had uh, about 2,700,000 square feet. I tore down two office buildings, redesigned it. We're building a lot of retail right now. We've got a half a billion dollars construction right now in there, that uh, wow. property. We're building a uh, autograph uh, uh, hotel, Marriott Auto Autograph Hotel called Hall Park Hotel. Um, we're building a high rise. Uh, uh, high-end apartment building. Um, uh, and then we uh, have another office building going up. Very modern, has balconies, so people can get fresh air, has a huge amenity deck, great great fitness, lots of uh, meeting rooms. Um, and um, uh, we're building in the center of all of it, a, uh, a park that we've actually given to the city. We're, we're building it, we're giving it to the city. We expect we'll have uh, over a million people a year in the park. And we, for the public, uh, we have That's incredible. a park, a dog park. We have yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to do, and then we're working with the city, hoping to build a performing arts center. Um, so we're 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 really uh, building an arts district for for Frisco. That's amazing. That the, the art's coming back in. Absolutely, <laughs> there, it sure, it there sure it is. is. Yep. I love that. So what are you what are you seeing in terms of, you know, commercial real estate? Are there any trends that you're betting on? Right. We know we know how you feel about kind of the the class B, class C offices. Right. Um, but any that you, you think are going to be trending really well here in, in the near future or any markets. Right. I, I think, uh, interestingly, uh, in the right 
markets. Uh, retail seems to be coming back. Bricks and mortar mm -hmm. retail, uh, strip centers uh, seem to be doing well. I think hotels are coming back strong. They've been mm -hmm. under uh, uh, capitalized. They've been sort of the uh, uh, one that has been getting the money the last few years. Uh, we're very bullish on, on hotels. Uh, our lending group uh, really specializes in hotels. We, we fortunately uh, did not do any office buildings at the wrong time, so we're, we're good there. Um, uh, right now, we're doing a lot of apartments. I think uh, residentially, we still have a huge deficit of houses and housing in mm -hmm. the United States, about 5 million uh, fewer homes than we need, and homes being either apartments or, or uh, separate single family. So I think there's opportunities in a lot of those areas. How about some markets? Is there anywhere you have your your eye on? You know, I don't know that I'm an expert in all the markets, uh, but I, you know, we we are really. Um, I'm frustrated by California, but we still do some <laughs> lending there. Um, uh, a lot of people are going to shoot me for that comment, but uh, I like my wife. But, no, but anyway, that's okay. <laughs> uh, you know, thanks a lot. Don't get me in trouble here. Um, uh, I. You know, we love we love uh, Texas. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a, a lot of great markets, especially I, I think markets like Austin uh, that have had a lot of tech stuff are probably cooling a little bit right now because the mm -hmm. the pandemic uh, post pandemic, we've seen the tech businesses slow down and that'll slow some of the demand. But Dallas, Houston, uh, San Antonio, great markets. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of great markets. In the country. Florida's great. A lot of places. Thank you. No, super helpful for those look, looking to make their next uh, investment or purchase. And given your specialized background and expertise, I'm sure some of our listeners would be curious about a few of your answers to a few rapid fire questions or advice questions. Is that okay if we you throw bet. a few your way? Yeah. Great. Okay. So if you were given $50 million today and you had to invest it immediately, what would be your go-to asset and location and why? Uh, I think I would look for hotels, uh, mm -hmm. and um, I'd look for select service hotels because they make the most money. Uh, food and beverage always complicates things. Um, and um, I think there are a lot of good markets for that. I, again, the same markets I said earlier. Okay, great. Favorite tool or software that you use on the job? Ooh, well, having a... Uh, uh, a, a hard hat when you're uh, walking around in a construction <laughs> site is, is a favorite that's, tool. Uh, that's very necessary. <laughs> that's very necessary. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm technologically challenged, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a good software uh, answer. I wouldn't, when, when we were in the software business, everybody always thought that was a strange thing because I didn't understand uh, software. But that's was, okay. No, absolutely. How about your team? I mean, you have so much cash flow in and out liquidity, right? Are there certain kind of tools that, you know, some of your team is using day to day to manage that? Um, we we um, developed our own uh, software to to manage cash flow and uh, we're constantly refining it and, and improving it. Uh, I think there are a lot of standard things that can be uh, bought mm -hmm. that are helpful. Great. Um, what do you like to do for fun? <laughs> well, uh, what do I admit here? Um, I do have a lot of toys and, uh, I don't get on them very often, but, um, um, I have, uh, uh, a bi 
I work most of the time and um, but I, I do have some vacation spots that I enjoy that I can work in a nicer climate from time to time. And yes, absolutely. <laughs> my, my idea of golf is uh, we, we belong to one place that you can play golf barefoot and there's a oh, that's fun. place where you get alcohol in the fourth hole and that's included. I'll call them the 10th hole and that's included food. Uh, and, um, you can play two or three holes. You don't have to play nine or 18. So that's kind of fun. Sounds like my kind of game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, nice. I never made it. Uh, yeah. Five or six holes is a lot of, that's a long day of golf for me. I, I totally agree with you there, Craig <laughs> and, and drink wine. Are you rosé? Is that your, no, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm primarily, uh, red wine, but, um, uh, we, we actually are pretty full service drinkers. Uh, we, we, we make, for instance, uh, 22 different Cabernets. So wow. what, 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 what I've learned over time from, from uh, the wine world is how much different, uh, the terroir and the, the actual vineyard makes. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's very similar to real estate. You have a hard corner for, uh, the best retail out of four corners. In, in uh, vineyards, uh, it's not, it, it's the location and the property and the climate. And that, that varies right across the street. Uh, you know, one's great and one's pretty okay. Uh, and uh, so we make vineyards, we make wines that represent those geographic properties. And it's great fun to taste them next to each other. And um, you really, uh, I, over time, I've gotten to, to really love wine, to love quality wine. The negative is quality tends to be more expensive. So as a consumer, when you get to where you have really great taste, it's 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 an expensive hobby, but we like that as a wine uh, a winery, uh, Absolutely. a wine seller. <laughs> where where can we find your wine? Where where do you? Well, Hall, Hall you... wine. Hall, we have uh, three different brands: Hall mm -hmm. wines, which is tends to be uh, Cabernet uh, Sauvignon Blanc, kind of Bordeaux varietals, as they say, uh, and then Walt, which is uh, Walt W A L T. It's my wife's maiden name, and those are. Uh, uh, Chardonnay and Pinot Noirs, uh, and then uh, Baca, which is a uh, Zinfandel and other kind of smaller varietals. They should be in a lot of stores all over the country um, and in a lot of restaurants. Uh, so try, try them out. Great. Thank you. We'll def definitely keep an eye out for those. So as we wrap up here, are there any parting words that you'd love to share with our audience, either newcomers or the seasoned commercial real estate pros out there? Just that, um, uh, and I'm actually sharing this with myself as I'm saying it, um, you should have fun all the time as best you can. Uh, you know, there are times uh, when things are very stressful and there are times when um, business is more fun than others. But at the end of the day, if it isn't fun, don't do it. And I, I, mm -hmm. I guess I guess that's why I'm still uh, doing a lot of things because I, I, I'm a lucky person and I enjoy it. I wish I, I really love to encourage entrepreneurship. I think uh, starting something and working with people you get along with and enjoy is just a real good, good, good luck blessing in life. That's that's fantastic advice. Always having fun. Thank you, Craig. So we really appreciate you joining us and sharing your insights. We know you're very busy, so we appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us today. Where can people find you online if they want to get in touch? 
I, I have a very simple uh, email address, chall at hallgroup.com. Great. Excellent. Thank you. And thank you, Jessica. You're, you're a great interviewer. Oh, thank you. I, I've really enjoyed meeting you today. Uh, I'm definitely going to be going out there and looking for that wine. I'm, I'm a wine lover myself. <laughs> so great. thanks for your time, Craig. Pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure not to miss the next one. Visit go.crexy.com forward slash podcast. That's go.crexi.com forward slash podcast and sign up to get the very next episode delivered straight to your inbox. You can also subscribe to the Crexy podcast on your favorite podcast app or check out our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com forward slash Crexy for video recordings of each episode. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.